Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Tuesday show. Hopefully you are having a good start of your day. Just getting a few things set up here. We're going to hit a few comments from uh, the end of the show yesterday to start the show off. But first, I'm not a therapist. I'm an individual much like you who has been through a traumatic experience. At least I consider it traumatic. And I developed some tips and techniques that I share with you to help you get your life back, break the cycle of abuse, repair the relationship with your kids, and just try to minimize the damage that your toxic ex tries to throw into your lives. Careful making diagnoses of people. Don't go around throwing around medical terms, calling people NPD, borderline, all that stuff without a medical diagnosis. Just gets you into trouble. Only a clinician in a medical or a clinical environment can do that. If you like what's going on here and you want to support the channel, you can do that over at YouTube. Become a channel member. Get cool emojis and badges next to your name and help support uh, keeping the lights on here at DSD. The Do You Get To Be You podcast series is still open, so I would encourage you to check in, check that out. Sign up for that. Hear all the different expert speakers cover their respective fields and areas of expertise. You can sign up for that by going to yougettobeyou.com slash Dwayne. There's also a link in the show notes and the video description if you're watching this on YouTube. did have uh, my conversation with Chris Godinez yesterday. That probably won't be out until till Wednesday. We did it a little bit later. But uh, had a really good conversation about parental alienation, how to deal with the court system, how to just navigate these crazy waters and uh, minimize what, the, what, what your ex is trying to do, which is drive you crazy. Anyways... Again, welcome everybody. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Looks like uh, my little counter thing's not working today, but oh well, not a problem. There's always some little issues. So we got a handful of people here already. Uh, just to throw this out here, I am uh, I, I a few weeks ago I was promoting the texting number, so you could get on the the. SMS notification list. Uh, I'm trying to switch that to a different service, but they broke it or didn't work during the trial part of it. So this morning, if you're on that, it actually went out. If that appears to work, I'll start publishing that number to uh, f- to do that. And what what it will allow is just basically right before I go live, like five minutes, you'll get a text just as a reminder. Since for some reason YouTube. YouTube's notifications seem to be a little flaky sometimes, which is a, a little frustrating. All right, let me see what's going on here in the comments before we jump into everything. Uh, well, I'll wait on that. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to go over some of the, the comments that happened yesterday that I didn't get to. And the first one comes from Lark, and it's, well, let me back up before I jump into that. The phone lines are open. If you want to participate in today's show, you can do that at one 4243 dsd live is also a web interface, so if you just scroll down, you'll see the link for that, so you don't have to do, uh, what do you call it, um, international calling. So anyways, back to this other comment. Lark says, I would like to know more about the court process and outcome for fathers who are going through all this. And actually, the show that's going to come out on Wednesday on Chris Godina's show is going to go is going to deep dive into that. So you're going to have both of us talking about the nuances of that. I mean, the short version of this, the, the short version is family court is a lot more complicated than we think. What we think is going to be fair, what you think and what I think is fair, isn't what the family court system generally thinks is fair. I'll tell you, the first time they they went through that little calculator and went, you know, and keyed in a bunch of numbers and it spit out a number, 
and that's what they thought was fair. I'm like, holy hell, you know, how am I supposed to survive on this? Plus you add in just the, 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 it's like playing a game and not knowing the rules. It would be like going and sitting at a, at a chessboard or, you know, sitting at a, a game board, thinking you're playing checkers. And then once you start, the other person saying, oh, no, you can't do that. It's the, you know, the rules are this. And you're like, wait, what? I thought it was this way. Oh, no, 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 that's not, you know, yeah, you, on these pieces you can move like that, but, but these other pieces you can't. And then you're like, what, what? And it makes it, uh, and it, it drives you crazy. I'm saying it makes it really tough because you think you, that's what would happen to me. I would think I would understand something about the process and then I would turn around and it would be like, wait a minute, you, you, know, you said the answer was A. Oh, yeah, but that's uh, if you read the next line, it says, but if you know, this happens, then it's B. And it's completely opposite of what I thought. I, I got wrapped or roped into so many scenarios. And when I say family court, I'm talking about family court, child support services, you know, custody evaluations. I mean, just the whole, the whole thing. There's like all these different rule sets that govern how the thing works and no one tells you, no one tells you the rules. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, just as an example, and I, it's, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that I actually even thought this way in the beginning. And I thought you file for court, you go to your initial hearing and it's done. And then it's like, oh, no, no, that's just the initial. Oh, okay. So then you file, you go to court, you have that first one, and then the second one, the second hearing, is, is, it'll be done. Oh, no, no, that's just the, you know, the status hearing. To, to, we, would go, we would have to go back to court to say you can't have an, we can't come up with an agreement, and now we need to go to trial. And I'm like, you know, I'm, like, I'm like, wait a minute. So I paid you for the first part. And you're saying if it goes to trial, you're talking about like, I mean, and, and each one of these things is weeks slash months apart. Typically it's months. I mean, the court I was doing it at, they actually could get people in a little bit faster, but the, in the town or the town slash county over, it was, you know, you filed in three or four months, you get your initial hearing and then in three or four months, you get your secondary hearing. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? And every time I turned around, it, it seemed like there was some new, new, unique little tidbit of information that I didn't know that completely changed the direction of uh, where we were going. I see John Boston says, DSD, we went to court over 20 times. See, to me, that, and that would have just freaked me out, you know what I mean? Because if I remember correctly, it was like, like $1,500 for the day, maybe, maybe a little bit less for the attorney to show up for the day. I mean, so you're just, you're, um, you, you, in that situation, you're talking about at least $20,000 just for them to show up to court. And that doesn't include all the preparatory time for it. It doesn't include all the phone calls, the emails, the, the pre-meetings and all that stuff. You know, you're probably in that situation, you double that, that by probably double it. You know, you're talking about basically another 20, uh, 20 mana or 20 days of man hours. Anyways, POP said it's a $60 billion business. That is a true statement. So the, the, the short answer on that Lark, if you happen to be here today or you catch us on the replay, it's a slow process. It's incredibly draining the only way around it is if your ex would agree to mediation and, and just to create an order without doing that. The problem is for a toxic, narcissistic person, it, there is zero advantage in them agreeing to that. They I, Actually, I was talking to Chris about this during the show that we recorded last night. The problem with the system is there's there's no incentive or there's no... I would say there's a ton of incentive for them to do this and there's no disadvantage or disadvantage. There's no pitfall. There's no consequence. Let me say that there's no consequence. So somebody can turn around and say, or fight and say, no, I'm not, I, I want, I want everything. 
you go to mediation and you're like, well, I want 50, 50. Nope. Well, you know, why not? Because I said so. Right. Well, if that's your mediation, well, that doesn't work. And they have nothing to lose. Right. Because if everyone's saying, Hey, you know, you're probably going to get 50, 50. Well, then if they agree, then there's every time that they put a roadblock up, excuse me, every time they put a roadblock up, there's a chance that you'll make a mistake, that you'll give up, that you'll acquiesce, if that's the appropriate use of that word, and uh, they potentially win. So, the, I mean, and the real problem is that they can turn around and just push this out and out and out because it's low risk to them. And unfortunately, and hopefully this will change at some point, the family court system typically, it, 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 unfortunately it seems like this. It seems like if you're unable to pay or you don't pay child support or whatever, whatever the reason is, whether you're, you're doing it intentionally, which I would encourage nobody to do that because it just isn't worth the, the damage that happens after it, or you get into a situation where you just you can't afford to pay, it seems like they'll throw you in jail for that. But for lying... Uh, other type of contempt, then most of the time it seems like they won't. Unless, well, okay, this will be semi-controversial, but it does seem anecdotally that if you are, if you're the guy, there's more of a chance that they'll do that. So it makes it really tough if you're dealing with somebody who is playing that game and trying to just wear you down. I mean, I, I was talking about this the other day, and I need to get this guy on or at least record his story. It was an individual who wanted to do a coaching call with me, and we were talking, and he was just at his wit's end. He was just completely, he's like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I'm about ready to give up. I'm going back to court. I've been doing this for over nine years. You know, my ex set me up before, planted drugs in my house, and I had to deal with that. Things were going okay, but, you know, the ex is getting ready to get out of jail. Uh, the kids, the custody of the kids were with the grandmother. And now all of a sudden, he was being drugged back into court again and was completely freaked out and just like, you know what? I just, I can't keep doing this. I love my kids, but, but I'm just, you know, I'm at the point where I'm just ready to say, okay, you know what? You win. And as we were talking about it, you know, and I'm, and I've, I apologize if, if I've told this story before, but I think it, it's a good illustration of this point. I asked him some questions. I typically ask people, you know, what's going on? What did the judge say? You know, and, and as he's going through the story, I'm like, huh, you know, it sounds, I mean, it's okay. Yeah, you're right. The situation does sound bad, but I'm really surprised at what you're saying the judge said or ruled. Yeah, initially, you know, he was he, he had standard visitation, I think, and then, then the uh, ex-mother-in-law who had custody, had, you know, joint custody, I guess, of the kids, basically on her own decided, you know, you're dangerous and you can't see your children anymore. And, uh, you know, didn't necessarily give, I think... You know, the initial part of it was like, okay, we're going to wait a minute. We're going to do some testing, but we're going to leave everything else the same. So it didn't increase child support, which I thought, I'm like, wow, that's weird. Because typically, you know, the family court system, the second that they can reevaluate that, they generally do. So I was like, wow, that's weird. And then he just mentioned some different things. I can't remember all the details, but it was just like, you know, and I was just like, you know, dude, you're actually, it sounds like you're doing really well. You know, I mean, so everything you're saying, all the little nuances that I said are, that I've told you guys before, are super easy to miss in the beginning parts of this. Were sounded very positive, and ultimately, what happened with this individual is when they finally got through, a, you know, the next the next emergency hearing or whatever, and it's actually done now. The guy has full custody. The other people have supervised visitation. They're ordered to do drug testing. Uh, on a reoccurring basis to make sure that they don't have any drugs. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. And there was some stuff that was going on in that case where, you know, there was just badness going on in the other house, not his house. My point is, is that 
it's so common for people to get so emotionally bankrupt. That was one of the things that Chris and I were talking about yesterday is that you know, she was saying that, that people will, will, will attack you on this to try to bankrupt you, try to destroy you. And I threw out there that it's also emotionally bankrupt. They want you to get to the point to where you're just, you just can't do it anymore. And you feel like your only option is to just walk away is to say, okay, you know what? I've tried. This isn't working. I I'm tapping the mat and you know, I'll live to fight another day, but this is something I just can't do. The, the reality is for most people out there, well, not most, I'll say for the reality is for everyone out there listening to this right now is you are so much stronger than you think. Typically, you have been through an emotionally abusive, at, at the very least, an emotionally abusive relationship, and you've sur- survived that. I mean, just think about that for a minute. You lived in an environment where somebody was systematically, daily, screwing with your head, trying to drive you insane. The person that you thought you could trust the most at your side was basically trying to undermine you from day one. And you survived that. It hurts like hell when you realize that it was a lie and that you were being manipulated. And it feels like you were weak. But when you're able to go through that and survive and have the strength to get up every day, endure that, and do it over and over again, I think that you can endure this. And once you realize what's going on, once you get the information to really help you understand what you're dealing with, hopefully it'll make it just a little bit easier. I know that that's, that's uh, it seems really tough when you're in the middle of it. And I'll, and I'll tell you, for me personally, this was the most difficult thing I ever went through in my life. Everything else I'd been through that I thought was traumatic paled in comparison to having the mask ripped off, the the fog blow out to see, and all you have is clear skies where you see everything clearly, it is, it is a really tough time. But the difference is, is now you know what you're dealing with. Before, whenever you were doing it in the fog, you had blinders on, you didn't want to believe it, and you were playing a game that you didn't know the rules. The thing is, is now you're starting, going back to that rule analogy, now you're starting to understand effectively the game and, what, and how it's being played. So I hope that rant made sense. Looks like we might have a caller. So on that, if you want to call into the show, it's one four two four three seven three five four eight three one four two four DSD Live. It's also in the uh, title of the uh, the video, not on the podcast, but on the video on YouTube. So, all right, I'm going to go ahead and grab this call. It says Family Law System. Hello and welcome to the show. Hey, Dwayne. It's uh, Dwayne. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Uh, oh, it's going. Um, yeah, I, I, you, you triggered me this morning. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> no, talking about the family law system um, and seeing some of the comments on here and you know, the experience. I'm glad that you, uh, I'll have to watch that podcast. I wasn't aware that was available, but I'll have to watch your podcast on that. Always trying to get information on it. But uh, yeah, a lot of it figuring out what the how the law system actually works because when yeah. you go into it usually you're at that emotionally drained level you don't know what's going on you assume that the courts work like the tv show matlock and uh law and order and things like that but it doesn't work like that at all i know it, it, it's it's really sad because you walk into there thinking thinking you have an understanding of how it's going to go and typically i think for the most part it's like the first day, especially if you're dealing with a toxic ex, and it could be you know guy or girl, doesn't matter. But you walk into court thinking one thing, you walk out going, "What in the hell just happened?" And it's exactly. it's uh, 
I really feel for people who are are naive on this and they don't understand what they're doing. Because typically what will happen is, is a narcissistic ex, just, I mean, we'll just go down this part for a minute, is when you, when you, before you get to court, typically they're not telling you they're going to try to cut your throat. They're like, oh, we'll work it out. Oh, we'll do this. We'll do that. And you walk into court thinking, yep. all right, well, we basically, you know, we already worked this out. It's like, I mean, do I even need an attorney? I mean, and worst case, you don't even have an attorney. You walk in that first day, your ex has an attorney. You're going, oh, crap. And then you get blindsided with all kinds of extra stuff. You know, you're a scumbag. You're an abuser. You're this, you're that. And they want full custody in the house and, you know, full access to the accounts. And, and it's like, wait, what? And typically when you don't have, when you don't know what's going on, you don't even know what to say to try to stop it. You just, you're just like in shell shock and you walk out as if a bomb just went off by you. Oh yeah. They try to silver bullet or something like that. Um, and all the lies come out and you realize what you're in for and you don't realize going into it. But usually the first question that the attorney asks you when you fill out the form, how much money, how much do, you money have? do you have? Yeah. Because then they know how much money they have to work with. And that's right. actually a pretty well direct quote of uh, the divorce court movie. And it's true. That's the first question they ask. And then they figure out how much how much they can spend and get you into debt to then finish your case off. I know. It's horrible. It, it's, it's, you know, and the, and the sad part is, is that depending on the person you're dealing with, you know, maybe they understand that and, and they are just trying to bankrupt you. Or maybe they don't understand it or they get told, oh, well, your ex is going to pay for it. And this is what I think happened in my situation. I think it was like, okay, well, your ex is going to pay all the attorney fees. You're going to get all the money. So it was low risk. It was like, okay, well, you know, I might as well fight this because it's not any, it's not any sweat off my back. I'm going to basically be whole after it. And I don't care what happens to, to uh, well, to me in that situation. Right. Oh, well, they're wanting to hurt you as much right. as they can. and. That's one of the good through your kids and through taking away everything you, you know, you possess everything you own. Right. Right. Yeah. I actually had to outsource and fire uh, the law firm during uh, mediation because I'd been doing research. Uh, thankfully I'm kind of analytical, um, but they were trying to do the exact same thing. And I went uh, kind of for the jugular and I went, um, I'll, uh, cause in Texas where I'm from um, men get, uh, equal custody about five percent of the time based on the data, right? And uh, that was that was not worth. I mean, I, well, there's no amount of money that's worth that to me, you know, for my kids. Um, so I had uh, amassed about eh, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, my house and everything else, and uh, and they wanted we, it all. You know, she of course offered me. That they wanted it all. Well, I went ahead in mediation, fired my attorney, and put an offer on the table that said I will give you everything. I want 50, 50 and I'll pay you a thousand dollars a month in child support, which they actually wanted me to pay more. I knew how the state, you know, how that works for child support. So I already knew these things. Yeah. And of course, knowing my narc wife, I knew she, she loves money. So she jumped all over it. Um, I lost everything I had acquired. I owned my own home outright. I mean, I had about $300,000. I was about 40, 41 years old. I, you know, busted my butt yeah. uh, my entire life to get there, but to have my two boys in my life half the time and, and, you know, being their life, that was, it, it was a no brainer. And, uh, my attorney was just ticked off at me because they had thought they, they were get the $300,000. They thought they'd get yep. the house. They thought, you know, in, in legal fees. And then I would then soak everything else. But doing all the research I did, which, you know, the next part of the, in that cartoon that I made and some other stuff, but, um, that was, I was like, let's end game this thing. And it worked. Yeah, that's good. I mean, sometimes you can, you know, I mean, if you really know what, I got the, lucky. what the, yeah, if you know what the ex is going for and what they want and you can do that in my situation, mine wanted to leave the state and take the kids and take all the money. So there was no amount of negotiating that was going to, you know, right to do that. I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't a good situation, but, uh, yeah. Well, Hey, thanks. Thanks for calling in and sharing that, man. I appreciate it. And just to let everybody know, again, uh, change is, or uh, getting better is possible. I mean, I'm actually remarried now. I've uh, been remarried for three some odd years now. Great woman. There are some unicorns out there. Um, but uh, you got to do your research. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks, Dwayne. Appreciate it.
You know, and I want to just dovetail on what he just said at the end, you know, because people will say there's no unicorns. Here's the thing, and I've, I've chatted about this in the past, and part of the problem is, is when you are around toxic people, you're typically just not around one toxic person. Typically, you have been raised in a situation where you're kind of attracting that into your environment. I know that was the case for me. So what happens is, is everyone in your immediate area is is typically that type of, you know, your family, your friends, your, your coworkers, not to say that, every, but it, not to say that everybody, but what happens is, is you find subconsciously, that's where you feel normal. That's where you feel like things are, are comfortable, even though it's uncomfortable. But if you get out of this, you work on yourself, you heal yourself, you you build better boundaries. You 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 deal with the, the the old wounds that got you to this point. Then you're in a situation to where one, it's not so much that you're you know you're only attracting bad people. It's just that when a when a negative person comes into your life, you recognize it and you're like, you know what, that's toxic. I don't need that in my life. And you just gracefully move on to the next. You know, you just kind of like, oh hey, how's it going? All right, and then you just move on. And then what happens is, is you start finding better quality people. What I will tell you is that if you do not heal yourself, typically what will happen is when you run into that person who treats you better, who is better, and you're not ready for it, oftentimes what happens is, is that you, it scares you because it doesn't feel quote unquote normal and you sabotage the relationship or you just it just doesn't work. And that's a, a key point on that. Let me double check some comments here. I see it looks like there's another call coming in. I'll grab that here in a second. I'm trying to read this. I don't understand that one. Like, All right, let me just read this one. Okay, so it says, I have a question I encountered I encountered with malignant narcissists and they did cause damage and my boyfriend and I went through it and his he is gone and am worried sick. If he is okay and my parents are absent since, I want to know if they will return because I have anxiety. Oh, Barbie, I... I'm I'm not really following that question, so I apologize for that. It, I guess the short, if I, I don't really understand the details on this, but I would say if they've let it, if those people are the parents of your boyfriend and your boyfriend's no longer with you, then the likelihood they're going to come back to you is low unless you have kids because you're not there anymore. So anyways, I'm going to grab the next caller. It just says uh, negotiation and let me welcome to the show. Are hey, you... Dwayne, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Uh, I thought the topic this morning was pretty interesting. Uh, I just think that it was about, you know, obviously the family system and negotiation and stuff. And um, I guess I would kind of, I watched some of your videos. I mean, a lot of your videos, but uh, I know that you said that you should always view, like, I guess the custody battle, I guess the divorce um, process as like a war yeah. and stuff. And just try to um, look for the long-term of things and just try to make sure that you're, even track of your finances and stuff like that. Um, again, these people, uh, like my ex did, she made more money. She makes more money than I do, and she um, and she had a legal advantage as well. So she sorry about that. <laughs> that was a little ring in the background. <laughs> um, so she had a financial and she had a legal advantage over me. And, you know, for a lot of people, not me, but um, 
I guess the best way to, you know, to try to just see it is, you know, you have to, you have no choice but to be strong and you, you just have to kind of see it as a war and this person does not care about you at all. And yeah. you, once you start realizing that, and that's pretty hard to come to an understanding of that type of stuff, but there's one thing that I did that actually worked in mine. Um, I was, when the whole thing started, and I'm still in the process of it right now, you know, I'm just going to give a little story, then I'm going to ask a quick question on, you know, kind of negotiation stuff. But um, what I did was, um, and this was back in September or November of last year, basically, I, you know, I had all my bills. I just got an apartment. It was, like, really expensive where I lived because I thought I was going to lose my ex. Um, it was, like, in a really nice area. Uh, I told her to, she needs to leave because she was in displaying very healthy behavior. And so I was stuck with my apartment, you know, my one bedroom apartment spending about like fifteen hundred to sixteen hundred dollars a month. And then I had to pay child support if I wanted to see my child because she wouldn't let me see her, uh, unless I paid that. And so um it started out like that. Um they she wouldn't let me see my kids unless I paid the child support because I was not legitimated uh, as of that moment. I mean as of when I started this whole thing. And it was all a legitimation process. And uh, so they, so we, our attorneys, of course, sent letters back and forth. Of course, I just, it was a waste of time. It killed me, like, for attorney fees and stuff like that. But um, I guess where I'm trying to go is that eventually, you know, once we had a GL step in, and he was like, you know, regardless of what, you know, of what y'all's differences is, there's this you know, the father should be able to see his kid, whether you'll have a court order or not, you know? Right. Right. So, um, anyways, I pretty much just like, if she would have, and I'm not going to go into every detail, it goes into a lot, but if she would have taken the original offer that we were, that I was willing to give, which was, it was pretty minimal visitation while giving her guideline child support. Mm -hmm. Um, she would have got all her money instead, but right now, I actually wound up getting more time later just because I was willing, even though it's emotionally hard to do it, like I had to wait like seven, eight months to finally get to have custody of my child, which I have a lot more now than what I would have if I would have accepted their offer when this whole thing started. And then I would have put my case at a, at a worse oh, probably standpoint because it, my child would have been so used to seeing me like very minimal. So anyways, so when I wasn't, able to see her because I wasn't legitimated. Um, and I'm not recommending this to anybody, but this is what I did. So these people only care about money. So I was like, all right, well, I'm giving half of the uh, daycare money. I'm giving uh, half of the uh, uncovered medical expenses. And I'm not seeing my child at all. So what I started doing was whenever I asked for my uh, to see my daughter for anything, she wouldn't work for me. She wouldn't work for my attorney to do that. So I got billed for that. And, uh, you know what, when that started happening, I was like, you know what, I'm not legally obligated to give you money because I'm not legitimated yet. I'm doing that because I want to do that. But if you're going to take advantage of that, because I want to see my kid. And so what I started to do was I started deducting that money that I was paying an attorney to just to just see my child, like maybe one. And I just started deducting that from the money that I was giving her on a monthly basis. Nice. That I was giving her voluntarily. And then, um, and then eventually like, I still wasn't seeing her and I wasn't pushing them enough. And the whole idea was to agitate them mm -hmm. her attorney. And so what I said was, and this was when I was pro state too. Um, I was like, look, if we don't come to an agreement, I'm going to deduct this child support. Um, I didn't say the amount, but they were still playing games with me and I, and I, and I followed through on it. And so that's when the GAL came in and then, you know, he was seeing us do this back before. So I was doing this with her attorney. And then he was like, well, he should still be able to see his kid regardless if there's a, you know, a child, I mean, a, a court order or not, you know? Yeah. And so that right there really pissed them off. Oh, of course. <laughs> they were like, well, what do you mean? We're not, yeah, we're not getting, you know, he's not paying to see his, uh, see his kid. And then, you know, like it, it got so ridiculous. But anyways, um, that's what I did. I mean, I went necessarily recommend that they try to use that against me eventually i mean like later oh, of course in yeah they're absolutely gonna like, use it again. no but i that's a great but, i mean but but the thing right. is is you you looked at the situation and you and you came up with a uh a way to try to fight back and and it worked in your situation i mean that's great 
Good for you, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, you have to use all the tools that you can. And, and uh, I mean, it was a matter of like, you just don't want to be participating in bad behavior. So it's like, to a degree, it's like, yeah, yeah I, mean, I know what you're saying, but bad in the short term. Yeah. And, but it's like the whole thing is like, where do you want to get? Because like, since they're participating in bad behavior, it's kind of like you have to do it a little bit back to them. So that way, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, you get what you want. I think, so anyways, of, um, yeah, go I was ahead. Wondering, yeah, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Well, I was, I was going to go to my question and, and I'm sorry to, uh, cut you off but i was gonna ask like do you have any like any interesting stories on negotiating with your ex and like uh, anything that you use like i don't want to say like tactics or anything like that or like maybe strategy or anything like did you ever do anything that's like or do you have any like uh, negotiating advice or something well i mean i could think off the top of my head there's a couple of things one right before right before the custody evaluation i was strategically having my attorney send requests to her and the whole idea, because I was tired of me getting, you know, basically happened to jump through flaming hoops. I was trying to stress her out before she, which I didn't necessarily need to do, but, uh, because she's, you know, she is who she is, but that was one thing I did. So I was kind of drip feeding. So instead of sending the attorney like, Hey, I need an answer to this question, you know, these 10 questions, you know, Monday, I would say, I need, you know, hey, send this, then Tuesday, send this, then Wednesday, send this, that type of thing. The other thing is, uh, since I couldn't get her to really negotiate on anything, the only other thing that I was able to do mm-hmm. is whenever she wasn't paying the medical bills, as I took her to, I didn't take her back to family court. I took her to small claims court and they weren't super thrilled about that. They're like, this is a you know, this is a family court issue. I'm like, no, this is a money, you know, yeah, it's off of a family court, uh, order, but I just want my money. So I sued her in small claims court. And that was, that experience was enough to get her to start paying until my son dropped off. And then she stopped, you know, it's like, so basically she would pay her half of the bills for, for, you know, for like the next three or four years, she actually did what she was supposed to do. But it's, you know, it's really tough negotiating with these people and until you can find what motivates them or what's important, or if, you know, they're running out of money and they don't have the money to still play the games. And, and I mean, unfortunately in your situation, you were able to like, okay, so you're, you're basically playing this game with, with money with me, you know, you're using it to try to, you know, basically beat me to, to try to make me pay to see my child and when you're and you're right, just for everybody mm-hmm. listening, whenever you don't have an order that says you're supposed to do something, you're not obligated to pay anything. And the actual really scary part in a lot of places, what'll happen is, is let's say you're paying for months and then you finally get to court and they go, oh, okay, now we're here. You owe, you know, you owe a thousand dollars a month and, uh, and they take it back to whenever the court case was originally filed. There are people who get slammed where they go, Oh no, that was just a gift. That money that, that, that they gave me for up until we got here, that didn't count. And they tried to do that to me. They tried to say that, uh, Oh, well, you know, the, the, you know, the thousands of dollars that you paid or gave her, that didn't count. That was, that didn't, that wasn't ordered support. So that doesn't count. And I'm like, Oh, you better, you know, that ain't happening. So <laughs> yeah, it almost crazy. did happen. That's what Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, that could be pretty scary, but they did. I mean, they were able to recoup some of that money that I deducted. Um, oh, of course. So that wasn't the big deal. The, I mean, it was like, okay, you know, the whole idea is stockpile your cash. Try to minimize your, your, um, yeah. I guess like try to minimize your bills and, you know, like just try to get rid of that as you can as well too. I mean, we are living in a pandemic so it's like a lot of people are losing their jobs and stuff like that so it's um you know you just have to kind of see it as like a war i mean i, I absolutely hate having to put in that type of term i think i think it's that's the, the mindset that you have to have <laughs> yeah i mean I, I and you're right i mean i hate to say that but i think looking at i mean i think it's the it's an idea that really most people can wrap their head around it's like okay you know you can win the battle you can you can uh you know, die on this hill, so to speak, but is that really going to get you where you want to go? So look long-term, like you were mm-hmm. saying. And I, and I, I do want to hit before you go, the, the key point that you said at the beginning of this 
where you, you know, you, you are, you know, they're trying to negotiate a crappy plan and you're missing your child and you're almost considering doing it. I've known people who've done it. I've known people who've made that, that deal and then live to regret it. And if you can just hold out longer, most of the time, you'll be better off than if you just accept whatever they throw at you. Cause if you accept something, see, this is the other fallacy that people have is that, you know, if you make a deal and then you later realize that it's not great and you go back, most of the time the court's like, um, you agreed to this. Why is it changing? What, what's happened where it's, it's, you know, why, why does it need to change? Why are you even here? You guys already did this. You agreed to it. There's no significant change. So why am I wanting to, you know, why would I agree as a judge to now increase or decrease someone's time? You're better off getting as most as you can oh, right yeah. from the beginning. That's a good point. Yeah. And that's the way I thought of it too. I'm like, look, yeah. I can't agree to something that I legitimately don't agree with. So, yep. Um, I mean, I'm over here asking for primary custody because I have good reasons to do it. And, um, I mean, I thought about many different ways of how to negotiate with them, but did now you, that I did got you get primary custody? 50%, how, what do you, no, so we're still in the process of going to the final trial. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. But you're still going so, for, but you're I going mean, for full then, right? Are you going? Uh, for, I'm not full custody because she hasn't been like technically the abusive type okay. or like she hasn't right. done drugs. So I don't think I could really get to that point, but. What I think I can do and what I have a good case for now is actually just get primary custody. All I have to do is ask for a little bit more time and just give And the whole idea is not just ask for a little bit more time, but basically. So you want to be able to to do the decisions and stuff. You want to basically, if you decide you want to take the kids to therapy or whatever that you don't have to have, you want like primary legal. Is that what you're Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Oh yeah. Good. Good for you, man. Another thing too. And this was, and, and this might help if you're pro se. Yeah. What you want to do is, if you're pro se and you're going up against a lawyer, or I guess maybe possibly like another, you know, your ex's pro se. Mm-hmm. This actually helped me too. So, um, you know, like once you once you file a temporary hearing, you know, like and then you put your response in motion and stuff like that. Right. Right. Basically, what I did was they sent in, so the attorney sent in the word document to the judge and to the case manager, and so I was like, all right. This is new to me. I don't know what's really happening, but I was like, all right, I guess we can do this too. I guess I can do this as well. So what I did was I was like, all right, well, I responded on top of her email, and then I, I needed a week to do it, and luckily the case manager didn't respond yet to, to the a lawyer's email. What the temporary order should be. So what I did was I was like, I responded on top of her to the case manager, and then I was like, hey, you know, like, um, I would like you know, to consider option A or option, you know, option A is what I feel would be the best in the best interest of the child or what a good parenting plan would be. Option B would be a little bit more closely aligned with the GAL um, temporary parenting plan, but it was a little bit more liberal. I mean, like, I guess a little bit more expanded because I was moving, so I couldn't really see what he was saying. So I was like, in the meantime of that, um, I was also responding to her in that same exact email to her lawyer and i was like hey you know um i would like to negotiate you know like i would like to see if y'all would like to um accept option b i mean option a you know if you'd like to work with me on that with me being the primary custodial parent um i would drop my attorney fees and i would um you know be a little bit flexible with other things too uh and also giving uh, a little bit joint uh, final decision making authority over like religion and extracurricular activity, <laughs> right. which is at least like important of the four. And so, um, basically, I just negotiated in front of the case manager. <laughs> and so, the case manager actually took my uh, one of the, she took option B, which is more closely aligned with the jail uh, recommended parenting plan, but um, I still wound up getting significant parenting time. But I'm just saying, like, you have to be creative and you have to be, like, yeah, you have to be very strategic and you have to be very thoughtful of these types of things. But basically, her attorney didn't respond to me. And then I changed the location, which was, like, a little line. So it looked exactly the same as, as hers. It actually got a really close, not really close, but, like, halfway between us. Mm-hmm. Rather than her location, her son's location was right next to her, her house, which is so ridiculous. And uh, so next thing you know, like, after it was, like, ordered... And then her semantics was coming back to me like, 
well, can we like change the exchange spot? I'm like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> because if it was the other way around, you wouldn't do that for me. Nope. So it's like, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry that it has to be like this to you, but it's like, this is the only way that you're going to learn. Maybe you'll, you'll never learn by it. But I mean, you're never willing to negotiate with me about anything. You're dictating terms to me and, yeah, you know, stuff like that. And they will use that as like, they will say, if you don't accept their parenting, their, their parenting plans or anything, they will say that, uh, you're dictating terms. Like you won't accept the parenting plan. Like basically they'll try to throw out a bunch of settlement and temporary uh, offers to you Yep, yep. to basically just say that I was rejecting all that parenting time. And then apparently that works with the GAL. So it's like so stupid, but it's like, I can't agree to something. I, I legitimately, like, I don't want to sound like, like corny or anything, but, it's like if I don't agree to something, like uh, I don't know if I'm going to say it, but basically I'm just trying to say like if I don't agree with something, I'm not going to like go with it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I I agree I was with you. Man. Say something like at the bottom of my heart, like I really don't agree with it. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate sure. it. A lot of good information there. Thanks, Dwayne. So, man, I just guys, he, here's the thing. Don't allow yourself, or don't. Don't get into a situation where where you make a decision, a rash decision in the moment without really giving yourself some time to think about it. Now, if you if you take if you take a break and you're able to slow yourself down and you look at everything and you say, okay, you know what, I decide to make a you know to agree, let's say to whatever settlement that they're doing, and, and you're rationalizing it in a way, and you're not just doing it in in anger or frustration. Okay, fine. But be very strategic about your decisions and your process going through this. And the other thing that you really need to remember or know is that this thing, this process is going to turn you or force you to become a person you probably never wanted to be. I never wanted to play these stupid games with with uh, my, well, my wife and definitely the ex. It didn't want to do it. It's not my personality. It's not the way I, I typically try to, to do things. And it was tough. Uh, unfortunately, most of the time they will use your normal good nature against you and try to leverage the family court system to just create more havoc so I got a, one other caller that I think I'll try to grab. Hopefully we can do this quick. And it says, I would like some advice on whether or not it's worth it to go back to court. Hello and welcome to the show. Hey, Dwayne, this is Will. Um, talked a couple of times. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. So what's up, Will? So just a quick question. I'd like to hear your, your thoughts. Okay. Um, you know, talking about the... Uh, family courts and everything, um, hearing a lot of people's stories, I guess I must have lucked out because I essentially gave her everything um, with the stipulation that I would not have to pay any maintenance or uh, child support. You know, we split 50-50, so I didn't think it was right for to have to pay child support when, you know, I take care of the kids when I have them, she takes care of the kids when she has them, everything's good. Right. And I really wasn't trying to pay maintenance. So, you know, she agreed to that, whatever. Okay, so um, I moved out of the house two years ago. We got divorced one year ago. At that time, the uh, the, the order and the, the paperwork, the divorce decree said that she had a year from that day to refinance the house. If she did not refinance the house in a year, she would have to sell. Okay. Okay. So that day passed on August 22nd. I will never forget that day in my life because I get to celebrate and it comes right after my birthday. So it's kind of like double celebration. But anyway, um, so that day came and passed. I talked to my lawyer a little bit ago, a couple, you know, leading up to that day, like, hey, so this day is coming up, you know, what happens? Like, is, you know, is this the drop dead date? Like you haven't refinanced by this day, you know, you immediately have to put the house on the market um, to get, you know, I would like my name off of that house. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I can, my, yeah, right, right. So 
my lawyer says, um, uh, well, it's, you know, it's okay. So we could send her some paperwork that says, you know, that she's in contempt of court, you know, and then usually that will force them to, to take action. But then if that doesn't happen, we'll send her some more paperwork and we have to set up a court date. And then that court date may be like three months down the line, you know, and like all this stuff, essentially extending the time. Right. You know, um, and for, for when I'm looking at it, it's like I haven't lived in a house in two years. You had two years to refinance the house. Right. But here we are. The time has passed and she still has to refinance the house. So the question is, is it worth it to really push this? Like, I know that you said, you know, pick your battles and sometimes well, it's not worth it. You know, you know, I so just, let, let me ask you I, this. Like is, she pay, is she paying the mortgage or is the house owned outright? Uh, she's paying the mortgage. Okay. Now, do you get since you gave her the house, the, all the profits and and that she makes on the house, she she gets to keep, right? So it's not like you get anything out of it, or do you? No, I don't get anything. So, see, okay. The pro, I guess the the answer would be. I mean, well, let me back up. I I understand what it is. You want your name off of it. You don't want to be associated with it. You want to try to expunge as much as you can any interaction with with your ex, right? I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that's part of it, right? Correct. Okay. So then the the second part of it is, or the second question is having that house on you know basically under your name still, or that mortgage under your name. Is it, a, is it negatively affecting any aspect of your life right now besides just the fact that she's connected to you? Then that's the crazy part because I've spent uh, about a year uh, living with my, my sister, you know, and trying to save up money and whatever else, thinking that I could not get a house. Right. Um, because my name was still on, attached to the other house. But then I just tried one day and they're like, Oh, you're approved for this much money, even with this other house on your, on your credit, you know? So then I went out and got a house, you know, for myself and my kids right after that. Oh, okay. So to answer your question, no, it's not actually impacting my day-to-day life see, outside of, you know, I don't think I could get like a credit card or something. Man, see, see, that's the tough thing, right? Cause I mean, if, it makes it harder, right? I mean, if she wasn't paying, um, well, if she, see, the thing is like in my situation, I kind of had the same thing. You know, the ex was got the house and was ordered to refinance it. So her answer to that was just to stop paying the mortgage. <laughs> right. So it completely destroyed my mm-hmm. credit, uh, our credit. I'm assuming it negatively affected hers as well. But so the, the it, man, it, it's a tough one, right? I mean, if, I guess if you have the money to go through the process to force the issue, to get your name off of it, it's not a bad thing. But I mean, the problem is, and I guess the question I would say is, are you emotionally ready to dip your toe back into that? If you can do that and you're, and you know, it's going to be a long process and you know, you're going to have, you know, you're going to, they're going to send the letter and then you're going to, they're going to send another letter and then they're going to file a court, a contempt of court thing. And they're going to play this game to ultimately force it. Then if you can do that without it emotionally wrecking you, then I would say, go ahead and I mean, let me back up. If you can do it without it emotionally wrecking you and financially it's not going to wreck you to start this up, then starting the process, realizing it's probably going to take another year or so for this to get resolved to the point where she either sells the house or refinances it is, um, uh, that's, um, you know, then, then do it. I, the, my only risk for you would be is if you do it and it emotionally sends you down a, a, you know, down a spiral, then I would say you might want to wait a little bit longer, especially since she's not necessarily doing anything to really torpedo your credit or whatever, because a lot of times people don't, don't, and that's what you like. I mean, your original question, is it worth it to go back to court? A lot of times people don't understand or really recognize the emotional cost of doing all this stuff. So now I tech more saying 100% get your name off the house. And I, well, yeah, you could do a quick claim deed to get your name off the house, but you can't get off the mortgage, and I did that, but you can't get off the mortgage until they refinance it. So, I mean, it's that's the question. Well, so let me ask you this, and I know we're running out of time. Are you ready for this fight? Can you do this fight without it basically ruining the calm and the stability in your own life? 
And the answer to that question would be no. Like for as far as the quick claim deed, I've already done that. You know, my lawyer said, you know, right when she's ready to refinance, you know, get your name off the house, you know, right, whatever. Right. Okay. So I did that. Um, now looking at the situation and realizing, like you said, that, you know, it may be six months, a year, whatever, to this whole thing happens. And I could start the process and then let's say four months from now, she finally is able to refinance the house. Then, you know, what the hell did I just do in this past four months? It just, it, it, for me, it just upsets me that, you know. And it's upset like you that she's still playing a game. She was. Yeah, it's upsetting you yeah, that exactly, you thought that exactly. there was going to be some consequence. You know, you probably thought, okay, two years you didn't do it, so hey, can we put the foreclosure signs on the house? You know, can we, you know, can we evict her out of the house? Or you thought there'd be some type of consequence. And this kind of goes back to what I was talking about before, and I am really going to have to wrap this up. And and, and that is, yep. we think we go into this process thinking we understand one thing, and then you realize it's it doesn't work the way we thought it was going to work. You know what I mean? Mm. Right, I do. All right, cool. Thank you very much, Dwayne. I appreciate your time. Yeah, no, no worries. Thanks thanks for calling, man. And the last thing I'm just going to say on that is, um, you know, I know a lot of people have different views on it. And and my advice would be, if you're not emotionally ready for the battle, and and it's going to basically send you out the deep end, if you're relative, I mean, one, I would encourage Will to work with the therapist to try to work on some of the trauma based around this. Because what you want to have more is is if to be able to go through that in a more uh, systematic way to where it's it's not triggering you in the process. And that's why, I mean, a lot of times I, I tell people, be very careful what you go back to court on. And because and, what I hate is when someone says, yeah, this is a real big issue. It's important. They go. And then, you know, they get in the middle of it and they're like, oh my God, what have I done? This has taken, I mean, it was, it was a crap show before, but now it's a complete disaster and I feel worse and everything is just not great. And it's like, they, they, they look at it and they're like, well, I, I shouldn't even have done this. So, and it's tough though, right? Cause I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, if Will would have asked me this question, Seven years ago, I would have been angry and I would have said, you know, yeah, you take her back now and you, you know, kick her out kicking and screaming and, and cause I was so angry at it. And every time somebody was getting taken advantage of, it would, it would make, it would trigger my own frustration on this. It's really, uh, it's really tough. I hope, I hope that I address that in a way that made sense. I know we're kind of running out of time so that, that makes, that makes all of this a little more tough. It's just being able to look at the situation in a way that, that, that you can make the best decision for you. And unfortunately, it takes time. Like even for Will to get to the points where he's co- trying to contemplate what to do, it, it ta- it's, it's hard to get to that point. It really is. And when you get to that point and you can really look at it and go, okay, is strategically this decision right for me? You know, tactically, yes. Tactically, you know, cause the person some pain, throw something out there, get them to feel some of the, the stress and anxiety that we live under. There's a lot of time that uh, you get into the point to where that feels important. It's a tactical victory. And it took me a while to realize that those tactical victories didn't help me. It's like in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it might have felt good for that moment to do something, but the consequence on it was not great. So on that... Thank you guys for hanging out with me on this Tuesday morning. As soon as I hear about the, whenever Chris publishes that video, I will uh, post the link. I hope that you guys got a lot out of this conversation today. Maybe it gave you some different perspective. Hopefully it was helpful and not triggering. I don't like it whenever I do a show and it just makes everything worse. (laughs) On that guys, take care of yourself. Give yourself time to breathe. Know that this does get better. We had a few callers that mentioned that today. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.